Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Great to have the the opportunity to preach in our uh, continuing on our series in Mark. Uh, Today I'm going to be preaching on Mark 13. I have to say my prep hasn't gone particularly well, (laughs) if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, so we will we'll see how we'll see how the preach goes. But I do feel like God has spoken to me uh, even just this morning about um, uh, about what He'd like to say to us. Um, and this particular uh, this particular chapter in Mark um, is particularly contentious. And so it's probably very helpful, uh, even if I don't do a preach preach that I kind of speak about um, some of the uh, things the theologians believe about uh, the structure um, and about the prophecies and whether they have or haven't been fulfilled uh, and just go from there, really. So this preach might be more of a talk that is helpful and spurs you on to look deeper into the passage yourself rather than um, me necessarily being able to pull out all the answers. Uh, Not that that ever happens anyway. Uh, but this uh, might, be, uh, might be more of the case. But anyway, let me uh, get right into it. Uh, I'll start reading um, from verse 1. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Um, it takes about three, four minutes. Um, so let me just read this out to you. Uh, but before I do, let me just quickly pray. Father, I do just lift up this morning to you. God, I, uh, I do just ask for your... Um, your help on our hearts and our lives this morning. Lord, I thank you uh, for just a wonderful time of meeting with you in the worship. And I pray this morning, uh, God, as we dive into Mark 13, Lord, and this difficult uh, chapter, God, that you would speak through it, that you would give us soft hearts, that uh, we might hear what you have to say to us this morning. That's all that matters in our lives, Lord. And we, we want to be uh, uh, like Mary, um, sitting at your feet this morning, not distracted by the, the things of life like Martha. And so I just pray for this, the spirit of Mary on our lives, Lord, where we just focus on you and your teachings this morning. Amen. Amen. Right, lo- let me just uh, read this chapter out to us. And as Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign when all of these things are about to be accomplished. And Jesus began to say to them, see that nobody leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. 
And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand as to what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it might not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short those days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on your guard, I have told you these things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. For the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard, keep awake, for you do not know what time they will come. Sorry, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man who goes on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Amen. Uh, let me, um, I'd like to first, just in this, in this talk, just go over, if we jump to the next slide, Victoria. I'd like to first just go over the structure of Mark 13. And it's quite helpful. These, uh, these titles here on, on the left are just the, the, cha uh, the chapter headings um, in, the, in the ESV Bible, so the English Standard Bible. And you have the verses uh, as to what the top and tail verses are for each of those uh, subheadings. Uh, and basically how this chapter is structured is, is so. So you have the first, the first two verses 
are uh, Jesus um, just kicking it off with the disciples' uh, comment about the beauty of the temple, and Jesus then saying, no, not one stone uh, will, be, uh, uh, will be left upon another. Uh, and then the disciples get Jesus alone, and so now we're in the section 3 to 13. And these are the signs that lead up to the Great Tribulation, but it's not the start of the Great Tribulation. And Jesus is very clear when he says that these signs must happen, but the end is not yet. So you have a whole section that encompasses uh, that, the signs of the end of the age, and a section of history that leads up to the Great Tribulation. Then you have uh, the section headed the Abomination of Desolation. And this is a chapter uh, that is during the Great Tribulation. So it describes the Great Tribulation. And it starts with a sign uh, that, marks, that uh, uh, marks the start of that season, of that Great Tribulation. And that's in, Mar- uh, that's in uh, uh, verse chapter 14. Uh, sorry, verse 14. Then God mercifully, as we read, cuts short that great tribulation for the sake of the elect. And then you have a few more signs. So you have the, uh, uh, the moon being darkened and the stars falling from the earth. And then you have uh, these verses about, uh, seemingly about the second coming of Christ. And so you have Jesus coming uh, on the clouds of heaven in great power and glory. And it says, and then, he sent, then he'll send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and to the ends of heaven. And then you have what uh, C.S. Lewis, the, the famous uh, Christian writer and author, calls the most embarrassing verse in the Bible. That's what he calls this verse right here. Verse number 30. It says, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. And that causes a huge amount of difficulty with uh, theologians. The people argue for and against. And let me give you uh, two of the main camps, uh, and then let me just give you maybe slightly more of a nuanced view. Um, so the first camp is that, uh, is that all of this has already happened. And so it's, uh, I'm just going to call it uh, um, the historic camp or the past camp. All of these things have happened. So amazingly, the temple was completely and utterly destroyed. The uh, Romans invaded uh, Jerusalem and completely leveled uh, much of Jerusalem, including the temple, uh, in roughly AD 70. So just, just focusing on that for a moment, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that Jesus, this temple had been standing for hundreds of years, um, and then Jesus says, within this generation, the temple is going to be destroyed. And it was. And it was. There was an uprising, uh, and uh, Titus at the time, who was uh, soon to be, later to be Caesar, um, uh, commands the army that quells the uprising. Uh, he actually, I believe, wanted to keep the temple intact. Uh, So this is the uh, historic writings of Josephus in the Old Testament, which is where we take uh, most of our historic... um, Well, he was one of the only only, uh, historians around at the time. 
Now, there is a, a little bit of hesitation with taking his absolute word for things, just because he was, the, was one of the only historians to write about these events. And he seems to be slightly pro uh, the Romans, as, as you would kind of guess that he might be tempted to be, as he was under their, their rule at the time. Uh, but he says, actually, the, uh, the emperor at the time didn't want uh, the temple to be destroyed, but there was a fire that started in the temple, and then the Romans themselves uh, were overly zealous in quelling the uprising, and the temple got burnt down and completely and utterly ransacked and destroyed. Um, but isn't it amazing that that actually happened within, within, uh, within a number of years, which uh, is the generation... Uh, which Jesus here um, could have been talking about. So that's the first one, is that people say, well, that is uh, when the temple got destroyed, and therefore that was clearly what was happening. Now, there was a season of tribulation after that, and it was uh, quite dire. It was quite dire. Uh, and then obviously that ended. But the issue we have with, with this is, how do you then, how do you then kind of like, how do you, um, how do verses uh, 24 to 27 about seemingly talking about Jesus' second coming also have happened in that same generation? And that's the difficulty we have, okay? And they would argue, and I think they might be right on this, is that this verse is from um, Daniel 12. Daniel 12 talks about uh, uh, the um, abomination of the desolation. He talks about uh, the temple um, sacrifices uh, ceasing um, at that time. He talks about a, a tribulation um, that occurs. And amazingly, he talks about the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. But... What's interesting is in, in Daniel 12, that isn't the Son of Man coming to earth. That is the Son of Man being presented before God the Father and God the Father giving him power and glory. And in my mind, that, that happened at the cross. So, so suddenly you have a bit of, right, okay, um, what's going on here? Um, but... Interestingly, and I'm aware this is just a scattergun approach, like I said, I don't necessarily have conclusions on this, but perhaps some of this stuff will be helpful in, in your reading and your uh, looking into these things. He, the verse that follows um, uh, 26 is 27, where he says, and, uh, and the Son of Man will send out angels and gather his elect from the four winds and the ends of the earth and the ends of heaven. And you could say to yourself, well, that's definitely the raptor. Jesus comes for a second time, and then people get raptured up, so they get taken. And there are other verses in the Bible that talk about two sleeping in a bed. Uh, one gets taken and the other left. But you could also read that as the moment that the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. Uh, actually, that tribulation hardship caused the spreading of the gospel to the north, south, east and west, the four winds. 
So that is one, one point of view. They say, listen, this isn't talking about Jesus' second coming here. It's talking about uh, uh, Jesus... Um, uh, it's talking about the destruction of the temple in real time uh, and is talking about the proclamation of the gospel. And I still, in full honesty, don't know how they get round verse 26, though. Um, I don't know how we see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory after the temple gets destroyed. And that's my one hesitation uh, with this uh, uh, with that particular sort of like everything that has already happened uh, point of view. The other point of view is that this is all still to happen. And so that we are still in this section up here. We're still in the signs of the end of the age. Okay. These people would believe, uh, yes, the temple is destroyed. But in order for that to happen, because the temple's already been destroyed, the temple is now going to need to be rebuilt and then destroyed again. So there, one, one blog I wrote, I read, uh, said, and uh, you know, it, it said, and the, um, basically this was the feeling, and the clever amongst us are waiting for the third temple to be built. I remember thinking, no, no, it's not, it's not it, it, it ain't as simple as that. Uh, but it could be, honestly, the truth. And so what they say is that this was just a partial prophecy uh, that, um, uh, that the first, this, this temple here was destroyed but there will be a second one that comes along and then off the back of that second destruction there will be this great tribulation and then we will see the, uh, the moon darkened and the, uh, the stars falling from the sky which once again I'll just throw out there that doesn't have to be physical stuff that's going on in our universe. That can actually, usually stars and, and moon and the celestial beings are usually kind of um, uh, nations and uh, powers and authorities, earthly nations, powers and authorities. Uh, I guess there could be spiritual powers and authorities as well, but the falling of, of, those, um, uh, 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 of, of those types of things. So it doesn't actually have to be the moon gets darkened and stars actually properly fall from the sky. I think it's a lot more likely that that is talking similar to the same language that's used in the prophets in the Old Testament that it equates stars and celestial beings to powers. That is more likely what's being talked about here and it gives more weight to the understanding that perhaps when we see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, that isn't perhaps talking about his second coming. Now, <clears throat> so they would say, say this. What is interesting, though, is that when we read verse 32, which is this section all the way down here, if you can remember, there, there is one down here. We haven't been speaking about it for a while now. Okay, this one says, but concerning that, that day or that hour, nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And it talks about Jesus coming, seemingly, Jesus' second return. And what's interesting here is that actually, 
This passage still can be talking about Jesus' second return. It just might not be talking about it in this section. Okay? It might actually just be talking about it here. And one of the reasons for that is that <coughs> apparently in the Hebrew, there's, there's quite a break in the language. Now, I don't really know what break it means, but it's kind of like a, you know, a, a change of a tune or tone or, 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 or some grammatical uh, thing that causes almost like a change of subject at, the, at verse 32, okay? And so the, the idea is that actually this is talking about Jesus' second coming, but it's only talking about Jesus' second coming in verses 32 to 37, so it's all, it's all very interesting, and I think you could probably get a bit of an understanding as to why preparing for this talk has been somewhat difficult. You jump around, you start writing a preach about, you know, in one direction, and then you read someone else's, some other theologian's idea of, of what it could be, and you think to yourself, right, I can't actually go down that route quite the way that I want to. And, yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is very, very interesting. I think... Uh, just, just one other thing to, to mention here is that a lot of people's opinions, uh, are, are a lot of theologians' ideas as to, to what the uh, understanding of this passage here rests on their understanding of uh, what Jesus says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Some people have said, well, that definitely means that all of this stuff has now happened because the generation, obviously, that he was talking to was the disciples. Maybe is the answer. Uh, actually, he could have been talking about the generation that experiences the Great Tribulation. And actually, in Daniel 12, once again, he speaks about the Tribulation having a fixed length of time and it does kind of lend itself to the idea that, um, that actually the generation that Jesus could be talking about here isn't the one that is uh, right there in the moment when he's actually talking to his disciples, but is the one that is experiencing this tribulation. So, don't know how much time I have. Let me just take a quick look. Oh, okay, right. So I've been, been talking for a while. Um, and I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> God bless you. Um, actually, what, what we will do is um, we're going to take communion. I thought that would be good. I'm, I'm aware that that's just a jarring change. Um, obviously, had a fair few amount of notes and stuff. Um, let, me, let me pray for us. Um, and... And then let's, uh, and let's pray for each other as we, as we take communion to, together. Father, thank you, Lord, that uh, your word uh, is, is very diverse. Some of it is difficult to understand. Some of it is deliberately obscure. God, but uh, you say, Father, that uh, it, is, um, it is the value of... Uh, it's the privilege of kings that uh, we are to look in and find treasures in your word, Lord. And I, 
I thank you for this morning. I thank you. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a different morning talking about what this verse could and couldn't mean. Um, but God, you've put it in our, in our Bible in the middle of Mark, God. And um, Lord, I, I thank you, Father, for just this verse and all that it has for us, Lord. And I just, I just want to pray, God, that you would give us great wisdom when it comes to parts of these Bibles that are harder to understand. I pray, Father, we wouldn't jump to conclusions uh, as to what they do and don't mean or hold too tightly uh, onto, you know, what era we're in. Lord, I, I, want, I want to pray that we would be um, just like the Greeks in, uh, in the New Testament times that uh, search the scriptures, make diligent search, Father, and uh, we, want to be, we want to be a church here that makes a diligent search. Uh, but we don't want to be a church that rushes in one direction uh, to the peril of all other, other potential understandings and misconceptions. Or we want to be people who take the word uh, that is in front of us, Lord, with all of its potential difficulties uh, and wonders at the same time, God, and we want to handle it well. And I, I just pray this morning, Father, that this, this preach and these words this morning that you've spoken to us, God, um, would help us to be people that take the word of God all the more seriously. Lord, and I, I ask for your spirit and your help to be wise and diligent, Lord, in our reading of scriptures, Lord, and that you would just speak to us in our times uh, this week as we perhaps go through this passage, Lord, in, in Life Group on Wednesday as we pick into perhaps more of the details. Lord, I pray that you'll come and just wonderfully be with us. Do ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.